uh, online. And just to advise that you are welcome to use mobile devices as long as they're in the airplane mode and all devices are muted. Uh, this also includes members' tablet devices and they can connect to the assembly uh, Wi-Fi. Just as a reminder to members that uh, they are obliged to declare any financial or other relevant interests which might reasonably be thought by others to influence their approach to the matter under consideration. Any members who have interest to declare in relation to today's business should do so now for the record. Uh, unless somebody indicates to me, we'll proceed. Can I seek agreement with the member? Yes, Colin. Yes. Just, just to declare my, my interest as having worked previously as a social worker and also uh, being on, on a leave of absence with one of the trusts in relation to that role. So, okay, thank you. thank you for that, Colm. Just to uh, seek agreement of members for the oral evidence session to be reported by Humphrey. Agreed. Uh, apologies. I have apologies Agreed. from uh, Jerry Carroll, Karen O'Cullen, Jonathan Buckley and uh, Emma Rogan. Okay. No other apologies. Can I welcome then the Deputy Chairperson Colin Gildernew and the other members who are joining by Starleaf and also uh, Peter who is with me here in the room and also to the uh, staff from Justice and also from uh, Health. And can I thank Colin for uh, kindly agreeing for me to chair this. It's very uh, good of him to allow that to happen. I've been quite happy for him to chair it, but I, however, uh, so uh, you're all welcome. Members from the Justice Committee uh, are also joining us by Starleaf, uh, and that is Linda, Rachel, Sinead uh, is uh, to join us, Gemma and Doug, and hopefully Robin uh, to join us soon. Members of the Health Committee uh, by Starleaf are Gordon Lyons, Orla Flynn, Cara Hunter, Alan Chambers, Paula, Bradley, uh, Paula Bradshaw and Jerry Carroll, who have an apology from. Could I uh, invite the clerk to advise members if any have indicated that they've delegated authority to vote on the behalf of another member according to Standing Order 116-115? Thank you, Chairman. Um, under Standing Order 1156, Emma Rogan has delegated her vote to the Deputy Chairperson of the Justice Committee, Linda Dillon. Jonathan Buckley has delegated his vote to the Deputy Chairperson of the Health Committee, Gordon Lyons. Thank you. That brings us to Agenda Item 2, the development of a joint secure care and justice campus for children on the Woodlands Lakewood site, uh, oral evidence. And can I refer members to the relevant papers, which are pages 5 to 148 of the meeting pack that was circulated via the Assembly system on Monday and can also be found within the Members' Committee Pack uh, folders. The purpose of this Joint Committee meeting uh, for Justice and Health is to take oral evidence on the proposals for a Joint Care and Justice Campus for children and young people at the Woodlands and Lakewood sites following the publication of the Consultation Analysis Report, which was published by the Ministers of Justice and Health on the 16th of June. Procedures for the Joint Committee and the arrangements for this meeting are set out in the Clerk's Memo at pages two to four of the meeting pack. Can just to advise that the officials from the Department of Justice and the Department of Health will join the meeting via Starleaf. And can I at this stage welcome, and uh, I see them waiting patiently for us, 
Stephen Martin, Chief Executive of the Youth Justice Agency at the Department of Justice, Ellis McDaniel, Director of Child Care and Family Policy Department of Health, and Joanne O'Hara, Joint Programme Team at the Department of Health, uh, to the meeting. And can I just advise them that the session will be reported by Hansard and the transcript will be published uh, on the committee website. So I think it's maybe. Uh, Stephen, is it you're not going first? No. No, Eilish uh, is going to. Eilish, um, right. Eilish, you're very welcome. You're all very welcome to the committee, and we'll just ask Eilish uh, McDaniel to outline the key issues arising from the consultation. Thank you. Okay, thank you, um, Chair, and good afternoon, members. Um, my thanks to the committee for this opportunity to provide you with an update on the proposals for the establishment of a regional joint care and justice campus. As members are aware, restricting the liberty of a child or young person is one of the most serious interventions that can be made, making it essential that it's done, done only when it's absolutely necessary for the shortest time possible, and that it's subject to the strictest controls possible. It's been made very clear um, from the Department of Justice scoping study, which concluded in 2016, and the review of regional facilities for children and young people, which was published in 2018, that we need to reform how we deliver juvenile justice and secure care services in Northern Ireland to, among other things, prevent some children and young people who are among the most vulnerable um, in Northern Ireland uh, from moving from one um, service to another on a revolving door basis. By establishing a regional care and justice campus, we have dual aims. Firstly, um, to prevent some young people um, being deprived of, of their liberty in the first place. And secondly, for those who are, to provide them with a high level of support capable of meeting their immediate and their future needs. It's envisaged that the regional care and justice campus will comprise a secure care centre and multi-agency satellite provision, including a step-down facility and community-based provision. The secure element of the care and justice campus will involve a repurposing of the existing Lakewood secure care centre and Woodlands juvenile justice centre sites and is intended to provide a safe, secure and therapeutic environment focused on achieving stability and preparing for a return to the community in the shortest possible time frame. Children will receive an individually tailored support package in response to their assessed needs. A multidisciplinary therapeutic approach will be adopted to support planning and delivery of therapeutic interventions to children and young people, as well as the provision of advice, training and support to staff. It's intended that each child's plan will support reintegration to the community and prevent re-entry to secure care. This will require coordination of services in the community that complement the care in the secure centre to ensure that transition, transition back to the community is as seamless as possible. It's essential that children feel supported and able um, to participate actively in decisions made about them. And the proposals um, for the campus seek to ensure that the voice of the child is at the centre of planning decisions. As recommended by the review, the, the proposals include the establishment of a regional multi-agency panel, which will have a decision-making role in approving or otherwise a, a HSE trust proposal to make an application to the court seeking a secure care order and an associated monitoring role. This panel will be established in such a way as to enable the active participation of children and their advocates in decision-making. 
the care of children within the campus will be supported by the new Northern Ireland Framework for Integrated Therapeutic Care. And it is intended that this framework will promote a shared understanding of the impacts of trauma and support children's recovery through relationally focused care, the identification of specific intervention and support needs, and the implementation of a team around the child approach. The active participation of children and their families in all aspects of care decision making is an essential element of this proposed new framework. The proposals to provide a new service model for a new care and justice campus issued for a 12-week public consultation on the 21st of October. A child-friendly version of the consultation document and an animation explaining the campus proposals were produced and they were made available via social media. Due to restrictions necessary as a result of the pandemic, it was not possible to hold public events to, facilita to facilitate engagement as part of consultation. However, virtual engagement sessions were arranged for staff and their representatives and for other stakeholders as requested. There has been full engagement with the stakeholder reference group made up of children's rights and advocacy organisations and voluntary sector children's services provider organisations before, during and since the consultation ended. Four advocacy organisations used the child-friendly consultation materials as a basis for undertaking bespoke engagement sessions with children and young people. In addition to the stakeholder events, the Youth Justice Agency also contributed feedback from engagement with children and young people in Woodlands. Both departments have kept the Commissioner for Children and Young People updated since the programme and established the, camp, the campus commenced. And we've been grateful for her contributions and as far as possible we've sought to address the issues um, that either she or her office have. There were 73 consultation responses from a broad range of stakeholders including individuals, voluntary and community sector organisations, professional bodies and public statutory bodies. Responses to the consultation document were broadly positive with support for the vast majority of proposals. However, within that positive feedback there were important points identifying a number of issues in relation to the proposals which have merited further consideration. One such issue identified was around the use of the Secure Care Centre as a place of safety under Police and Criminal Evidence Legislation, PACE. And while the majority, around 72% of respondents, agreed with this, that the Secure Care Centre should continue to be used as a place of safety for children following arrest, if required, a small number of respondents have stated that the Secure Care Centre should not admit any children and young people under PACE and most respondents were supportive of alternative accommodation options being developed. We are clear that the use of the Secure Care Centre as a place of safety must be kept to an absolute minimum and will move to identify and develop suitable alternative accommodation options, working with all relevant stakeholders to do so. This will be more of a challenge as a result of the pandemic with the increase in the number of children who have been taken into care. The consultation exercise also highlighted concerns, including from children and young people themselves, surrounding the integration of those children and young people who require a secure placement for welfare reasons and those who are involved in offending behaviour. The safety and security of children and young people and the staff who care for them must be at the heart of the Secure Care Centre. Staff who work in, in Woodlands JJC and in Lakewood currently care for children and young people with varying complex needs on a day-to-day -day basis and they make risk and needs-based decisions aimed at keeping all of the children in their care safe. 
But the review of regional facilities for children and young people made it clear that the needs of these children and young people were not being well served by having two separate facilities, which saw many of the same children experiencing frequent moves and between them. We are committed to developing a needs-led and risk-managed model of practice in the Secure Care Centre. And the purpose of this approach is to provide safety and stability for all children and young people placed in the centre and to begin to address emotional, behavioural and developmental issues through a trauma-informed, integrated, therapeutic and individualised approach. The consultation also highlighted concerns about the potential for the Secure Care Centre to be used inappropriately for children with mental health difficulties due to a lack of alternative options um, and that this could be exacerbated with the full commencement of mental capacity legislation. The Department of Health is working with the Royal College of Psychiatrists and the Children's Law Centre to assess the potential impact of the mental capacity legislation. A thorough review of, of existing legislation will be carried out as part, of, uh, as part of the work to establish the Secure Care um, Centre. In addition, further detail on the package of education and support available to children and young people in the centre will facilitate an assessment of the extent to which the new centre will comply with human rights obligations. There are some of, these are some of the key issues which have arisen during consultation. The full report summarising the responses to the consultation and setting out both departments' joint response and plans for next steps has been published on the departmental websites in both committees have received um, notification of this and you refer to that chair in your opening remarks. The next stage um, will focus on finalising a range of proposals to enable us to move to implementation of the campus. This will involve the development of um, detailed plans to include the governance and accountability arrangements, the range of education, training, health and therapeutic services that will be available in the Secure Care Centre, the standards that will govern um, the operation of the centre, and the staffing arrangements for the new centre. This is a true partnership project, not only between the Departments of Health and Justice, it's also being supported by the Departments um, uh, of Education for the Economy and Communities. In terms of delivery, it will involve multiple agencies and professionals working together, some of them in the Secure Care Centre, but also in the community. It will also involve partnership with children and young people and their parents, um, uh, those who spend some time um, in, this, in the Secure Care Centre um, and as we develop, as we continue to develop the detail on the proposals, engagement with children and young people will continue to form an important part of that process and the programme team will be developing structures to allow that engagement to happen. We fully recognise that the establishment of the campus requires a significant change in how we think and how we do things. However, we consider um, that we are starting from a strong um, base and believe that by joining the forces of very dedicated and professional teams of staff, we have the capability to deliver so much more and importantly, improved outcomes for children and young people in need of secure care. Chair, that's a brief summary of what we've um, set out to achieve by way of the establishment of a joint care and justice campus. Some of the issues that have arisen um, through consultation, and it's also an, an acknowledgement um, that there is much more work um, to be done um, to implement what departments have um, set out to achieve. Um, and we're now happy to take questions from members. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Elise. Thank you very much for, for that. And uh, can I just say to members, I will endeavour 
to get to you uh, in a, an ordered way so that we have a, uh, the members of Justice and Health are able to ask whatever questions. So thank you to those members who already have indicated, and if those who want to ask questions haven't yet indicated, please do so, so that it will keep me in check. Uh, just one question I want to open up with, and I suppose next week we will have the uh, Children and Young People's Commissioner uh, before the committee, and obviously she has raised a number of concerns. Uh, do you believe that those concerns, and it would certainly be our intention from the Justice Committee, that following on from that presentation, any of the issues that she raises, that we would consult with yourselves uh, in terms of response? But, but do you believe that those concerns, which are, I suppose are around what you mentioned, the strict controls, the concerns that have been raised as the alternative to the Secure Care Centre for PACE, all of that, and I suppose the careful assessment of risk, which seems to be one of the, the dominant themes that uh, occurs in relation to this. Do you believe that those can be addressed so that this facility is given the best possible opportunity to succeed? Um, thanks, um, Chair. Um, we've worked very closely, and I think I've made that clear um, in the opening remarks. We've worked, worked very closely um, with the Commissioner um, throughout the process of, of, of developing the proposals um, for the campus, and, and she's raised um, a number of concerns. And with this, you've referred um, to some of them. Um, in, in terms of confidence uh, about whether or not we can address, sufficiently um, address um, those concerns. I think it's fair to say that we are um, reasonably um, confident um, that that can be um, done. I think the biggest challenge um, will be in um, providing alternative um, options um, to accommodate um, children um, under um, PACE and um, by way of an alternative um, place um, of safety. I, I've made it clear in the opening um, remarks that um, that, that has become more of a challenge um, for us um, because of the pandemic. Um, one of the things that we were proposing um, potentially to do was um, to use of some of the wider residential um, children's um, estate or children's homes um, to accommodate um, children um, under PACE. We've now got more than um, 200, sorry, around 200 um, additional children taken into care. Um, between the start of the pandemic and uh, and um, the end of this um, month, so you can imagine that that does create um, further challenges um, for us. But but in summary, can we um, sufficiently address the commissioner's concerns? I think in time, absolutely, and um, we will be able to do that. And just on on, on that point about the numbers, Alice, are you obviously would be concerned that there has been a very marked increase? in the number of uh, young people who have had to be placed into uh, care as a result or during the lockdown period, which hopefully is not as, uh, as it was over the last 18 months. But clearly, I would pick up from what you're saying that the numbers ha have dramatically increased. It has been a shock. Um, increase um, and um, one that we are paying um, very careful um, attention um, to. So the proposal is to 
um, put a paper to um, the regional management board within the um, Department of Health, the board that is actually overseeing implementation um, of um, recovery um, within um, the Department of Health um, coming out of the um, pandemic. Um, and that, board, that, that paper highlights um, the increase that, that we have had and sets out of a range of, of, of proposals, um, steps that we need um, to take um, to look at that and other challenges um, within um, children's services um, more generally. Uh, just briefly then to Stephen, and then I want to go to the chair of the Health Committee. But Stephen, as the chief executive of the uh, Youth Justice Agency, how important is it that there is a, a close working relationship uh, with all your all, all the relevant component parts to ensure that this project is successful? It's absolutely vital, Chair. Um, I think one of the things that this this program has has helped to do is to build and cement relationships, um, particularly between health and social care and, and justice. Um, and one of the one of the other uh, issues that uh, I just touched on in our opening remarks that will make this campus work well is that are the community services that uh, that will be needed to support it, and they will do two things. One is try and prevent entry into secure care by resolving the issues that young people face in the community, uh, and secondly, whenever uh, young people leave the secure care centre, um, that they're supported back into the community in an integrated way. And we've been able to, to make some strides already uh, around some of that. So just to give you one example, Chair, um, mental health is a big issue uh, of concern for uh, for many of the young people that the Youth Justice Agency uh, work with. And we've developed a partnership on a pilot basis with the Southern Health and Social Care Trust, where we co-fund a, a child, a child a, a, an adolescent uh, mental health worker um, who is located in the Youth Justice Agency. And that is making massive uh, uh, improvements in terms of me, the services that we're able to deliver in our, our southern area and we're looking to roll that out. So I, I think it's, to, to answer your question, we're, we're both, both sides, both justice uh, uh, and health and social care, as well as education, we're all bringing our strengths to the table and trying to work in a combined way to improve outcomes. Thank you, Stephen. And now we're going to go to members and I'll try and, and do this as best as I can between the two committees. Uh, Colin, the Chair of the Health Committee. Thank you, Chair. And if I may, two, two uh, brief questions just on that. The first one of which is around, and, and again, uh, just to indicate that, that I have worked as a social worker previously myself, but also have family members who have worked in some of the facilities that have been mentioned in the presentation. But from my experience of working with, with uh, children and young people in relation to this, it's very clear that very many of them, both within the health uh, and social care setting and within justice, are dealing with a range of issues which, in a way, sort of uh, went against them from the start. And they're, and they're, all, they're all extremely uh, vulnerable and have been let down by us in many ways, the adults and society, and, some, and that's why many of them are in, in these positions. But in relation to how you will integrate vulnerable children into this new setting, and there is clearly uh, some risks in the in the initial period, uh, could there be a risk of isolation rather than integration? And how will you monitor and measure to ensure that no one is falling through the cracks in that system and that you are levelling up for all of the children and young people involved? 
Thank you. Um, so, in terms of um, integration, um, Deputy Chair, um, the, all children will be um, admitted on the basis of assessed need and also on um, the basis of assessed um, risk. Um, and, and that, I mean, that is current practice um, within both centres um, at the minute. Um, we do admit, and you're acknowledging it, I think, um, that um, we do already um, admit children um, with a range of needs, ranging from relatively low-level needs through right the way through to um, very complex um, needs. So we do it at the minute, um, and we do it, um, I think, reasonably um, well. I, I think there are other measures that we will introduce as part of the implementation of um, this campus. So, for example, um, the introduction of the new framework for integrated therapeutic um, care, which I think will deliver um, benefits um, for all of the children and young people um, in the um, centre. Certainly, um, isolating individual children is something that we will be absolutely um, mindful of and will guard um, against. Um, and I, I think the implementation of the therapeutic um, uh, framework will, will certainly um, assist um, with that. It will introduce um, a, um, an individualised um, integrated therapeutic planning um, model um, where we'll set out the um, therapeutic goals for individual and children's put, put strategies in place um, to deal um, with their um, uh, with those therapeutic um, goals, have effective planning and mechanisms um, in place, subject those plans um, to um, regular um, review. There will also be, I mean, we've referred in the opening um, remarks to the new um, multi-agency um, panel, which um, currently operates on a pilot um, basis or on a shadow um, basis. Um, it, it considers admissions um, to secure care um, currently, but under the new arrangements, it will also have a monitoring um, role. So it will consider um, planning arrangements for individual um, children, are plans in place, are they being reviewed? Are they sufficiently ma meeting um, the needs of individual um, children? Is discharge planning, etc., um, being um, considered um, at the earliest um, of stages? So I, I think there are, are a number of mechanisms which I think combined um, a guard against um, uh, uh, your, your fears um, of, of isolation um, within um, the campus because of that combination of children um, from both a welfare background and a justice background. Thank you. And can I, uh, could I ask a second question then, Chair? Yes, yes, go ahead, Colin. Yeah. And, and thank you, and thank you for the presentation, Elish, and, and for your engagement with the health committee in the past in relation to this issue as well. And um, I, I do note the fact that there's been co-production and consultation with young people and children in relation to this. And actually, you brought me to my second question at the end of your answer. There, do you see that multidisciplinary monitoring, um, multidisciplinary monitoring process? Could you commit that children and young people's voices would be included and that they themselves would be included in that because we have seen in the health committee where young people are very very firstly aware of what it is that they need and benefit and well able to articulate that so would it be possible that rather than just having a, 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 a solely professionally driven 
monitoring system that young people and children's voices would be included in that so that we can continue to add value going forward. Thank you. Yes, I think is the, is the short answer um, to your um, question. Um, I refer to the panel operating on a pilot um, basis um, at the minute. Um, as part of that panel arrangement, and, and you're right, it's, it's in the main made up of statutory um, agencies across health, justice, um, social care and, uh, and education. But there is also um, advocacy, advocacy representation um, on um, the um, panel, so VoIPIC will support children and young people um, through that um, process. Um, my understanding is that of the um, cases that have come before the pilot um, panel, um, around 80% um, of um, children have sought to, to be represented um, at panel, and nearly half of them, around 46% of them, have actually um, participated um, in the panel um, arrangement. So you know, I think we're doing it already, and, and what we will need to do then is to build upon that. Um, through the implementation of the um, new campus um, arrangements. And, and the framework for integra integrated therapeutic care that I, I referred to um, as part of the development and also the implementation of um, that framework, um, there has been or will be um, what has been described to me as a participatory advisory group um, established that will involve children and young people and their parents um, to give them a, a voice um, in terms of how the model um, develops and also how it's implemented. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Colin. Now, Linda, the Vice Chair of the Justice Committee. Thank you, Chair, and thank you to the officials for coming here and for, for everybody for facilitating today's meeting. The, the clerks and, of the committees and, and the committee chairs appreciate it. Um, I suppose, firstly, just to to speak to something that Colm said at the beginning around around us all bearing some responsibility. I do think it probably is a sad reflection on us all that we know that all of these young people that we're talking about, or at least many of them, have challenges, whether it be through edu the education process, their, their own home life, and, and been let down by health and social care at some point, that had, had intervention been made at the right point they would never reach the point of needing this however we are where we are and 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 i do think that even in terms of all those things we were pro we are probably in a much better place than we were 10 years ago you know and and, and even less than that so i do I, I do really welcome the approach that's been taken by both justice and health in relation to this particular issue so just to, to make that point chair just I want to go back to a point that was was made earlier. The, the number of young people, um, or a number of respondents rather, drew attention to the issue of young people being remanded because they can't perfect bail and the need for suitable alternative accommodation options to be developed for these young people. And, and you've already responded to that, and I appreciate that. But just, and this is probably to more, more to our justice officials, there was... Um, Clauses within the the proposed justice bill around changes, you know, that that would have resolved some of the issues around bail for children, and I'm just wondering, have we are we going to be able to do something in relation to that, given that that 
those clauses have been taken out of the justice bill and how will we address that because that could have resolved some of the problems and if you want to go to that first before i continue on with a few other questions i'm happy to allow you in okay um, linda th thanks uh, i'm in my seventh week in this role so um i won't i won't pretend i'm a, a, any massive expert um but yes it is really unfortunate that those clauses aren't going forward as part of the justice bill i, I suppose there are two things that we can do uh, one is a very practical thing so uh, as Eilish said what other arrangements can we put in place uh, for, for both PACE and, and remand so children don't need to go into the secure care centre and there are some really, there's some really interesting pieces of work that uh, my team and, and some of the trusts are doing around what some of those alternatives might be so we're looking at for example bail fostering placements where there might be specialist foster carers who can uh, take young people on, on bail if there's no alternative. Um, so just because the, the, the bill, uh, those clauses aren't going forward in the bill doesn't mean that there aren't things that we can we can do and we will do those. Um, I suppose the other thing is that we, we have for a little while now been looking at uh, developing what might be, become a children's bill uh, in the next mandate. Um, and there are a number of issues, including the issues that are no longer in the Justice Bill, that we would be looking to bring bring forward. Um, so so we, we're hoping to address it in those two ways. appreciate that, Stephen. And um, my next question has already been answered, so I'm not going <laughs> to ask you to answer the same question twice. Just um, the majority of respondents said the legislation that legislation will be required to underpin the roles and responsibilities of the multi-agency panel alongside the legislative program discussed in section 8 which department will lead on the legislation and when will you be in a position to develop the legislation okay so i, I, I take that um uh, linda um it, it, some of it um will depend on um final decisions about um the governance arrangements um, uh, of the uh, of the secure care centre, um, and, and the decision about who can um, lead or who needs to lead in bringing forward um, the legislation um, still needs um, to be made, and, and there are some a number of unknowns at the minute um, um, that, that prevent us from being very um, specific um, at this stage. Uh, we had hoped um, to be able um, to introduce um, legislation in the current mandate, but the, um, the programme is now um, around nine months behind um, schedule, and, and that was a direct um, consequence of the, of the pandemic. So we had some of the programme um, staff who were actually um, moved on to other COVID-related um, um, work. Um, so it will be, um, Linda, the next mandate before we can actually introduce um, new um, legislation, and obviously we will um, aim to do that just as quickly and as early as possible um, within the new mandate. I appreciate that and, and I appreciate the, the, issue, the issues in relation to it. I would ask that as soon as we know who's going to be the lead on it, that, that we're given that information. I think it's important. It's important for us as committees to, to be able to, to, I suppose, around accountability 
and even for the sectors and and those who advocate for these young people out there to to be able to to follow that and have that accountability mechanism as well so just think it is important so we we can be given that information as soon i appreciate you don't have it yet but as, as soon as we are in a position to say who will be the lead and i suppose i'd be keen that there is somebody in the lead rather than we say this is justice and health because I, I can speak from much more minor issues where you have a patch of road where there's an argument if it's housing executive or it's roads that can go on for a very long period of time. This is massive. We can't allow that there isn't somebody in the lead that can be held accountable and, and we can't have that bouncing back and forth and trying to, to sort of, I suppose, offload responsibility to a certain extent. Not that I'm saying that would happen, but the potential for it is always there. Um, then just in, in section four, the needs-based approach, the report says a number of responses from individuals with experience working within a justice setting have strongly held reservations on the possible issues that could develop and impact that this could have on the secure environment. I'm just wondering if you can elaborate on that and what issues were raised and how they will be mitigated. And I, I mean, I do understand that obviously this, at the end of the day, it does have to be a secure um, environment, but I suppose it's about getting the balance and, and the culture right from the start, I think really is probably where. Yeah, perhaps Linda, if I, if I take that, um, I think I think one of the one of the whole reasons for this this program is that there are a number of children who spend time in both Lakewood and Woodlands, um, but the regimes are, are are different, so there are different expectations and different arrangements. So, what, what the whole genesis of this program is to try and make sure there's a more common joined up approach. So, to be fair, there's probably some nervousness among uh, my staff um, because. The regime uh, that we have in, in Woodlands, while it, while it is a justice regime, is also quite a, you know moving towards a therapeutic regime. But there are fairly strong boundaries and there there are behaviour management standards. So they're just a bit concerned that those might in some way be uh, be removed. So, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a new set of common standards. So we need to bring people along with us, um, learn the best. Uh, in terms of what's what, what's working on both sides, uh, and take from the best, um, and we do have a really really good strong partnership, um, not just between Eilish and, and myself as individuals, but the two departments, and we have a joint team. So, I think it's just a bit of nervousness, if I'm being honest, um, and there are issues that we need to, to work through. Okay. And if I could just come in behind, um, Stephen, um, Linda, you know, this has been done elsewhere. You know, so um, we do have um, secure children's homes um, within England and Wales, um, for example, um, of 15 secure children's homes. Um, there, um, there, I think there are six of them that combine um, welfare and justice and children, you know. So it has been done before. It proves that it can be done. Um, and, and, and we will want to obviously introduce our own version of it here. Um, within um, Northern Ireland and, and, and make the best offer possible um, for children and young people, regardless of how they come into the, the, um, the Secure Car Centre. Okay, thank you. Chair, I have one final point, and, and if, the, if the panel don't have the details this, I'm happy for them to come back to me when they do, because I don't, I'm conscious I don't want to take up time just talking for the sake of it when other members will want in, but the, the facil how will the facilities recognise and cater to the distinct needs 
of different sexes and genders because obviously we we know that in the, in the past there have been problems where where women have been housed in the same facilities as, as young men in Hyde Bank. So and, and obviously we also have to look to those who are transgender, non-binary, and they are often very vulnerable and marginalised um, group within our community. So may have much greater needs. So it, it's just about. I would appreciate you may not have all the detail on that now. I'm happy for you to come back to me in writing, but just I just wanted to flag it up. Yeah, and if I could just um, maybe respond to that, the facilities, uh, at least in Woodlands, are are modular. So there's six houses, which are each separate. Um, so uh, girls and boys are not housed in, in together. Um, they come together for education uh, and and training. But in terms of their accommodation, it's separate. So the so the accommodation at Woodlands lends itself very much to to, to that, um, uh, and and that's one of the benefits actually of bringing the two sites together. We've got a little bit more uh, sort of space to, to to work with. So I mean that will be part of the the planning in terms of the new the new campus. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Uh, Paula. Uh, thank you, Chair, uh, and thank you, panel, for the update today. I've got three very quick questions. The first one is how are families going to be supported to um, continue a strong relationship with their loved one? And the second one is um, a follow-on from other people's points there, and it's really about where will the oversight sort of scrutiny accountability role lie? Will it be a criminal justice? Will it be an RTIA? How, how, will, how will that be performed? And the, and the third aspect is, you know, how, how have these reflected on the aspirations laid down in the um, UN Convention on the Rights of the Child in terms of how this facility going forward will be human rights compliant? Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Um, so, Paula, I, I, I think um, I, I've tried to make it clear that certainly um, families um, will be part of the process of um, developing and implementing um, the new arrangements, but in terms of how they maintain um, relationships with um, children and young people who are actually admitted um, to the campus, I mean, if I'm honest, this did come up as, a, as an issue in the course of consultation, and um, there were some concerns expressed about the location of the campus um, in Bangor. Um, it was seen to be um, not terribly um, accessible and in response to those um, concerns I think we've given a commitment to ensuring that um, families are supported as, as best as we can um, to, 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 to have contact um, and maintain contact um, with their children um, while they are in um, secure care um, centre. The detail of that call will need to be um, worked um, through. Could I maybe come in on that just finish? Um, in terms of Woodlands, we have uh, family accommodation um, in Woodlands already, and we do, we, pre pandemic, we facilitated uh, family visits, um, particularly for parents who live quite far away and they brought younger siblings. Uh, and we have fairly good facilities with a, we have a, a swimming pool and so on. That, so we would, we would make sure there's time for. You know, families to eat together. There's a there's a space where they can prepare meals. There's the swimming pool and so on. So there are facilities there that are used for that uh, already at Woodlands. So there's a there's a model of practice that might be drawn upon uh, for the new centre as well. 
Um, Paula, can I, I come to your second question then, um, which related to um, oversight uh, and, uh, and you're specifically asking um, which inspectorate um, would be responsible um, for oversight of the, I think you mean the new secure care centre. Um, the, the, the proposal um, is um, for us to actually look at a joint model of inspection that wouldn't only involve the RQIA and Sajini, um, but also um, the Education and, and, and Training um, Inspectorate. And I think the Justice Committee may have had um, a presentation from officials um, last week um, relating to how we're planning to do that or introduce that joint inspection um, model for child protection um, purposes. So we'll we, we look very carefully of how um, it is being done um, within child protection uh, and take any of the learning um, uh, from that and apply it to inspection um, arrangements um, for the new um, secure care centre. So, you know, it, it isn't anticipated or intended um, that it will be a single inspectorate rather than, uh, uh, rather it will be a number of inspectorates operating jointly. Okay. Sorry, the last one around human rights compliance. Thank you. Again, this was an issue that um, arose in, in the course of um, consultation and it was specifically around compliance um, with Article 5 of the ECHR. Um, we, we saw legal advice on that, um, Paula, and that legal advice um, pointed um, to case law. Um, which um, concluded um, that there, there aren't compliance um, issues, but um, it all depends on the interpretation of educational supervision. So um, under Article 5, a child can be deprived of their liberty for educational supervision um, purposes. Um, our legal advice is that that shouldn't be um, narrowly interpreted um, as classroom type um, activities, but rather extend to the, um, certainly in a current context, um, extend to the full range of um, activities undertaken by um, an authority in the exercise of their statutory and duties relating to the protection of um, children. That said, um, I, I think um, the detail um, about what we offer to children and young people when they are in the secure care centre um, is important and I think um, it's only when people see um, that level of detail that um, their confidence I suppose in compliance and um, with article 5 um, will be um, will be increased or, 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 or will take place. Thank you. Sorry Chair, I should have said I have to leave the meeting at 2 o'clock to go to the Bill of Rights Committee. Thanks. Yes, thank you Paula. Is, that's all your questions then, okay? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Rachel. <clears throat> Hello. Rachel O's there. No, she's not online now. Peter. Thank you. I don't take advantage of it. I, I, I should say, I almost sort of inclined probably make uh, in terms of what Paula had said. I mean, there's most. As somebody who's a native of Bangor, I suppose I could say it's as far from Bangor to Belfast as it is from Belfast to Bangor in terms of in terms of people travelling. Uh, but I suppose just to follow up on a couple of points on it, and I appreciate maybe some of this will be sketched in. Um, mentions obviously been made about the multidisciplinary approach, uh, so I wonder if just a little bit more on whether it's still being developed. Um, 
about how the full education opportunities will be made available to those uh, within the, the new complex and, and particularly how uh, we can ensure focus on education. I agree, I think, probably with remarks. I think that um, maybe Linda made earlier on, I think that, that maybe underlines as well the advantage of early interventions in terms of, of education to try to prevent various situations. But I wonder, first of all, if you could just outline a little bit more detail in terms of the the broader sort of planning that is there in terms of educational provision for the, the young people? Um, th thank you, um, uh, Peter. Um, I suppose the first thing that I want to say is that the, both the Department of Education and the Education Authority are very much part um, of, the, um, of, of the plans to establish um, the campus, so um, both are represented on the um, programme um, board. In, in, in terms of what education provision um, will look like um, in the future under um, new secure care um, arrangement. Um, that, that detail still needs to be worked um, through. Um, we do know um, that um, we've got two systems of schooling um, across um, both sites and um, within Lakewood. Um, the school operates as a special um, school um, within, um, uh, within Woodlands. Um, it operates as EOTIS um, provision, so there is a there, there is a task or, or a job of work um, to be done to reconcile um, those um, two types of um, schooling um, within um, the new secure care centre in, in the future. And, and I've said that that detail um, still needs to be um, worked through. But in terms of your point about um, early intervention and, and prevention um, too, um, we've made it clear that this just isn't about um, what we do um, in Bangor, if I can describe it um, very loosely um, in those um, terms. It's, it's also about what goes on outside of the um, secure um, care centre and around the secure care centre um, within the community. And clearly, um, education and provision youth provision um, within um, the community um, will be critical um, if we're going to um, meet our one of our aims um, for this campus which is about keeping children and young people out of a secure care centre um, in the first place. Yeah, uh, second point, just a final point I want to raise, uh, obviously you've mentioned in terms of the secure care provision that if, if you like the, the blueprint for that or at least in terms of where you'd envisage that has been at least either delayed or disrupted by COVID in terms of what can be provided during that. I wonder just in light of that and in the broader sense, um, if you could outline in terms of the, from the implementation point of view, I appreciate we've completed the consultation stage on it as to roughly speaking what you see as the ballpark time, time frames for implementation uh, and also what you see as the next next steps that you'll need to take to establish the sort of the, the um, combined unit Okay, so our original um, timescales um, were um, establishment by March 2022. Mm -hmm. um, I've explained that we um, lost nine months by way of the um, pandemic. So um, our target um, timescale is now December um, 2022. Um, uh, Linda has already um, made reference to the need for um, legislation. Um, and it will not be until the next legislative um, term that we'll, we will actually be able to bring um, legislation um, forward um, to support 
um, the implementation of the um, new arrangement. So in terms of the, de the delivery of the legislation that may be um, beyond um, December um, 2022. All of that said, I think there are a number of things that we can um, do um, in advance um, and are planning um, to do in advance of that December 2022 um, uh, deadline. Um, so for example, um, we will um, put in place a, a new head of operations and that individual, a senior individual, um, will be responsible for the running of the two facilities until such times as it becomes, as they become um, one and, and we aim to do that as quickly um, as possible. Um, we are, have already um, put funding in place to establish a clinical lead um, within um, Lakewood um, who will be responsible for the running of a multidisciplinary, we're calling a multidisciplinary um, team made up of mental health professionals, allied health professionals, and um, specialist therapeutic um, uh, professionals. We can get that clinical lead um, in place um, reasonably and um, quickly. I've talked about the framework for integrated therapeutic care. Work has already started um, on um, the development of that um, framework and, uh, and implementation arrangements have um, already um, been um, put in place and, and the proposal is to start implementation within children's residential um, care where the framework will also um, apply um, in um, summer of, of um, this year. I think we can uh, move to get the on-site um, set-down um, provision um, in place in that um, time, standards in place, operation, operational procedures in, in place, beginning to look at um, education provision and the reconciliation of those two types of um, schooling. Um, and I think we can also recruit permanently to the chair of the multi-agency um, panel. Um, we've got a, a, a temporary chair in place um, for pilot um, purposes um, only, so um, that um, post can um, be made um, permanent and we have secured um, the funding um, to do a number of those things. Could you just ask finally, just in, in relation to that, in terms of the interrelationship with the, the legislation, and obviously you've outlined a range of steps there in terms of implementation. Um, is the legislation ultimately required simply to provide an underpinning and a, a regularisation, i.e. if, for instance, there was a particular deadline that was either slightly missed or slightly elongated, can that effectively almost retrospectively tidy up the underpinning? Or is it simply a question of there's a range of preparatory steps that can be done, but until the legislation is actually through, that the start button in terms of in terms of everything being fully there couldn't be done until the, the legislation is through. I'm I, 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 sorry if I didn't make that clear. I do think that a number of these things can be done in advance of the um, legislation um, being um, put in place. You know, clearly we've got um, a legislative entity at the minute called the Ju Juvenile Justice Centre, uh, um, and yeah. Lakewood operates as a children's home. That all needs to be um, undone um, to um, enable the establishment of the new secure care centre. But, but I don't want to create the impression that until no, um, that legislation is in place... Maybe I didn't just make, make things clear to my question. Um, I appreciate there's a range of things that can be done. I suppose what I'm trying to establish is 
the legislation will provide a level of underpinning, which clearly is something that would be a good and a virtuous thing. You know, what I'm saying is, is can everything be done before the legislation's through, or is it, or will there, if you like, it be having to sort of hang back for the final step or two until that legislation is through? We're just trying to work out the, the sequencing in terms of that. Obviously, you know, I think we would all hope that in terms of legislation, that if, if that can move in parallel, so that it is there by. Uh, Christmas 2022, but I'm just wondering if, for whatever reason, there's any level of slippage or things don't go through to say the first half of 2023, does that actually prevent um, everything being in place um, and it just being a question of as much prepared as thing, or is it something can effectively be more or less the legislation can act as a sort of retrospective tidy up from a legal point of view? It, it, I suppose if it, if it can summarise it um, in this way, until we've got that legislation in place, um, children um, from the justice system can only um, be um, admitted to Woodlands as a juvenile justice um, centre, um, and um, children from um, the care um, world can only um, be admitted um, to Lakewood as a secure care um, centre. Um, until the legislation is in place, um, you know, the, that admission to that single thing, that single entity known as a, a secure care centre, cannot happen. Okay, that, that's very useful. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Members, can I just check before we lose what, uh, members of the Health Committee in relation to quorum that members uh, are happy to agree that myself and Colin approve the draft minutes of this meeting. Uh, so that there's no need for a further meeting. If I can just get your approval for that, so that we uh, we don't lose. Agreed. And happy to do that. Uh, no dissent. Thank you, uh, Rachel. Apologies. I think maybe we we lost you there, but uh, I think you're. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Chair. Um, you're okay. I've been having some issues with the internet here, um, so apologies. I definitely just cut out. Um, so okay. apologies as well. My uh, questions have already been asked. Um, Peter touched upon about final proposals and legislation, um, so I'll not go into that, but I do want to ask about budget. Um, I know that you'd said about funding had been um, found for sort of this financial year, and I'm aware that that's coming from the Department of Health, the figure of 748,000 um, to cover the framework for integrated care and also then the clinical need or clinical lead. Can I ask then how much has been put in from the Department of Justice and where that is going to in this next financial year? And also, um, just on the wider um, the wider kind of proposals here, how much has been budgeted between the two departments for this and has a cost analysis been done? Much money do both departments seek to spend um, or save in relation to this? Um, and I know just about um, about funding as an issue and about costs, um, the NIAO report in 2017 recommended the need to identify and apportion costs on different services, um, especially in youth justice. So has this been incorporated into this proposal? Okay, uh, Rachel, that's probably for me then. Um, so the programme team is jointly funded uh, and the Department of Justice is putting £225,000 into that programme team. Health is putting the same. Um, the other issues that you um, that you mentioned are the statutory responsibility of, of the Department of Health, so therefore they're being funded by the Department of Health. In terms of the, the business case for uh, the, the new campus, uh, that that is a work in progress and will need to, to be further developed. Um, 
currently we are contributing, we are spending something in the order of, of, of about uh, eight, eight to eight and a half million pounds uh, uh, for Woodlands and uh, between five and five and a half for Lakewood. Um, one of the main aims, as the consultation said, is to make better use of that money. Um, so the business case will, will be working from the basis of how do we make best use of that money. If there are specific additional things that we may need, uh, you know, we, we may, for example, uh, need to spend some additional money to then, you know, uh, for, for particular things, we'll need to make business cases and bids for those. Um, but at this stage, our aim is to make the best use of the money that is already spent on that footprint, rather than uh, consider uh, you know, significant amounts of new money. Richard, if I can come in and statement there, I mean, yeah. just to give you a concrete example. Um, you know, so the multidisciplinary um, team that I um, referred to um, already, um, made up of a, the clinical lead plus other um, health um, uh, professionals, um, yeah, we've costed um, that team at around um, a half a million um, pounds, um, but we've also looked at investment in other health professionals already um, across um, both sites, and, and one cancels um, the other um, out. You know, so it may be using, as Stephen said, money um, very differently from how we are currently um, using it. So it, it will not all be about new money at all. Okay, thank you uh, for those answers. Um, Chair, if I may have another couple of questions. I appreciate I have quite a number of questions on this, so you may hear from me um, after this, just to, I don't want to hog up the entire time today. Um, but I and others have particular concerns in relation to the development of community services and the satellite provision and the community-based provision. Uh, not that I have any objections to it at all, but these services don't exist and they're not there yet. And they're certainly um, not at a capacity to be able to deal with um, any changes in the way that it is, uh, we, we, we know the issues with CAMS, we know the issues with um, access to mental health issue support um, already. Um, so without sort of further investment in that and uh, prioritization of those community services, I see a, a bit of an issue in, um, in how children and young people are gonna be reintegrated into their various communities. Um, and I know that there's a bit, a bit of work being undertaken to map the services that are already in existence and um, the statutory voluntary and community sector provision and to look at how they can be coordinated. coordinated. Um, so I'm just wondering if you have an update on the community service development and um, is that kind of work going to be commissioned first in this phase approach or is that something that you're envisioning happening after December 22? So if I can take your, your final question, I suppose, um, first, so it will, it, it will happen in parallel um, with the establishment of the um, Secure um, Care Centre. Um, you, you have referred, Rachel, to the um, mapping work um, that has been um, undertaken and, and what we were trying to establish um, by way of um, that mapping work was if, uh, you know, how much community provision um, do we have in place um, currently what services um, are there um, to support um, children um, with these levels of, of, of vulnerability who are at risk um, of admission to either care or um, secure care or um, juvenile um, justice. Um, I, I, I think it's fair to say um, that it's actually quite a crowded um, landscape um, at the minute. 
um, um, a fairly complex um, landscape um, of um, provision. Um, that is that doesn't mean um, that um, all children's needs are being um, met as effectively as they uh, as they um, should be. So there, there there is a, a further piece of work to be done following the mapping exercise that has been um, conducted to look at um, how effective um, that um, provision is and importantly to identify any gaps um, in provision. But, but I think there's also something else that needs to be done and that's um, identifying or establishing um, a mechanism that effectively coordinates um, provision um, around individual um, children. And, and I'm, I'm likening it to um, family support hubs, um, for example. So at, at that lower level of need, we have arrangements in place um, that wrap services um, around um, families. This is about having a mechanism to coordinate and wrap services around children with higher levels um, of, 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 of need. And I hope that addresses um, the questions that you have. Stephen, yeah, you maybe just add a little bit, Rachel. I, mean, I think, as I said, there are a lot of services there. One of the issues is the connection between them, so the pathways between services and the navigation. Um, and there's some really good work being done at a local level. Um, obviously, I'm aware that from a, a youth justice angle, but I know in, in local areas we're working very closely with social services, with education, welfare, with youth services, with the police and with other services to connect young people into the services that they need to stop them entering the formal justice system to support them when they are in the formal justice system, or to support them uh, to reintegrate back into the community. And some of this is about looking at this through a different lens. So I use the example um, in response to the chair's question on, on the, the co-funded CAMS worker that we've got in the southern area. And I mean, the, the impact of that, so that's just that's youth justice putting a little bit of money in, uh, the trust putting a little bit of money in, and having a service that is much more tailored to the needs of vulnerable young people. So, We've gone from uh, a previous situation where um, young people were disengaged from the services. So 60% of people under the old regime in the southern area uh, disengaged from the service before they they actually, um, you know, at a broad course, with only 14% achieving the aim that, set, that they agreed at the start. With the co-funded worker, 88% of referrals are now um, completing the course uh, with, with, with the aim achieved and only 12% disengagement. So just by a little bit of money, doing things a little bit differently, we're achieving a really significantly better outcome for young people. So it's about those kinds of things um, and it's doing that, that, that more and creating those pathways and those, those partnerships. Thank you um, for that answer. Um, in terms of, we would discuss there um, about sort of the varying needs. Um, and I'm aware just with the day-to-day -day operation of this campus obviously hasn't been worked out fully yet. I think there's quite there's quite a bit of work to be done on this and information to be done. And But in how will mixing of children and young people with varying care needs and varying staff teams then too, I suppose, be managed along the lines of say someone who's at risk um, and in the campus under the Article 44, and then someone who's there under pace for burglary or attempted robbery, say, and, and without having the secure accommodation um, for those who are 
have got serious um, at-risk behaviours or um, very seriously unwell, um, are they going to? Is it still going to be treated out of Northern Ireland? Is it because we don't have the secure accommodation then elsewhere? Um, so how? I just I suppose is there any detail on the day-to-day operation of how those types of cases would be managed? I, I, I take that, um, Rachel, and uh, the, the question was partly asked um, by others um, uh, before you. Um, you. You know, so the proposal is that um, any child who is admitted to the new secure care centre, um, their needs will be fully assessed. Any risks that they either um, pose or um, are potentially. Um, risks to which they are exposed um, will be addressed as part of that um, assessment, sorry, will be considered as part of that um, assessment and process, and, and that will determine um, where within the Secure Care Centre um, they are placed, and Stephen um, already described some of how that happens um, within Woodlands at the minute. Um, across the both sites, um, we'll have nine different um, units um, where children um, can be placed and, and the proposal under the new campus arrangements is that they will be placed in those units in smaller numbers um, you know so maybe a six bedded unit um, will house four children um, rather than six um, in the in, in the longer um, term in terms of children who we send outside of Northern Ireland, yes, we do it um, at um, the minute. And, and, and part of what this campus is in, intending to achieve, I don't think it will achieve it on its own, um, but part of what this campus is, is intending to achieve is that um, that happens less in the cases of some children um, in, the, um, in the future. It's not, it's not all of the answer to that um, issue, but um, should address some of it. Thank you uh, very much. Yeah, I'll happily pick up with that. And finally, Chair, for me, the, the step-down facility is proposed uh, to be across the road. Um, I'm just wondering for your assessment on the appropriateness of that um, for, say, a young person who's been in the campus, then goes to Ashcroft and then back to their community, um, especially if the community provision is not there to wrap around them. Uh, um, and I suppose then... What's going to happen to those who are in Ashcroft um, if that's where uh, the step bank facility ends up being? Okay, so um, I, I take that um, if I can. Um, the, the facility is actually Oaklands, which is on the um, on that Manger um, footprint, um, and um, I, I think it's accepted um, that for some children and young people. A, a rapid move or a rapid exit from a secure environment back into the community isn't always um, best um, for them. So for those children, that is the purpose of, of the step-down um, facility, to enable them to be gradually um, reintroduced or reintegrated um, back into the um, community. Uh, we, we've already made the point um, that the success of this um, programme relies to a large extent on service provision um, within um, the community. So you're, you're, you're quite right. Um, we need um, to do that better than we're currently um, doing it. And, and I think Stephen has identified what part of the problem is, and that, that is about um, services working um, better 
um, together and there being very clear processes and pathways um, uh, between um, services that um, currently um, exist. So there, there's a whole combination of things here, Rachel, that need to fall into place um, to um, make um, this programme realisable and the, su the success of this programme realisable. Thank you. Thanks, Chair. Okay, thank you, uh, Rachel. And there's no other members have indicated, uh, I think uh, Doug has indicated that his questions have been, have been answered. Just to conclude, because uh, obviously one of the, the respondents was the PSNI, and do you get the sense that there is, uh, the PSNI are content with this approach? And obviously Stephen made reference to the collaboration and the working together. Are, are we happy that that is at a level which will ensure that uh, the police are comfortable in the way in which they will engage with, with this facility? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think, Chair, the, um, the police are, uh, PS and I have really good relationships, not just with the Youth Justice Agency, but also with the, with the programme. And Joan, correct me if I'm wrong, they're represented on the, on the programme board, Chair. So, um, Absolutely, uh, and you know, the police are absolutely fundamental uh, in terms of the work that, uh, that that we do and will be to, to, to the campus, particularly in terms of some of the things that Eilish mentioned around earlier intervention. So we do a lot of work with the police around identifying vulnerable young people who are on the margins or already sort of in the, in the fringes of the, the just, justice system at an early stage. So there are a number of pieces of work that we already do with the police and we're building on those relationships to, to make sure that the new campus uh, works effectively and that those relationships are maintained in an appropriate way. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Ailish. Joan, you got uh, an easy time today, but we'll, <laughs> we'll maybe bring you back for another session at some stage. <laughs> uh, but thank you for <laughs> and uh, listen, Stephen again good to see you and thank you uh, yeah, for all your work you. and uh, much appreciated thank you very much thank you thank you okay members just to bring this to a close so that we can get maybe a comfort break before we start the justice committee I think that has given us uh, an opportunity to uh, cover the issues however uh, following on from Rachel's comments, and I'm probably the same in relation to some members of the, of the Health Committee, I think it would be good if the, both committees were able to uh, garner what other questions they may have, and then they could be uh, forwarded to the departments so that we can make sure we've covered this, and if necessary, at some stage, maybe before the end of this mandate, that we do this again so that we can have uh, an overview, an update as to what further progress has been made. Uh, would members be content if we decided to take that as an approach? Agreed. Agreed? Agreed? Okay. Well, okay, I think that's maybe somebody trying to join us. Okay. Uh, well, then, if that is the case, then that really brings us to uh, a conclusion and can I thank uh, the members of the Health Committee for joining us and also the members of the Justice Committee and obviously this is a project that we want to keep a particular eye on as we move forward but thank you for your time uh, today unless there's any member 
let me just check to make sure that I haven't missed anybody. Is there anybody, is there any comment that they want to make? I see Rachel smiling and it always worries me because she probably has about uh, a few questions to ask. But maybe I have covered that, Rachel, have I? Don't, don't tempt fate. <laughs> yeah, indeed, don't worry, I'll, I'll pile them all up and send them over to you. <laughs> okay. Okay, if we're content then, members, uh, Colm, thank you for your uh, participation today and your colleagues in the Health Committee, and uh, we'll bring this uh, session to a close. Okay, thank you. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 30. This is the Northern Ireland Assembly Committee Room 30.